welcome to Black Box. My name is Edmund Lovett, and today we will be reviewing over Stanley Kubrick's classic film from the 1980s, The Shining. This film was directed by Stanley Kubrick, and he had assistance from Diane Johnston in screenwriting. This film was based off of Stephen King's novel of the same name, and Stephen King actually, at the beginning of the creation of this film, gave Stanley Kubrick a screenwriting of, the, of his own version of the film, but Kubrick declined the offer and decided to go for more, an, for more of an original approach toward the story by tweaking some of the characters here and there and making some of the characters that had more major roles in dialogue being shortened for the length of the story. He also put several, several hours into redoing each scene in this film, making a total far, far greater than the actual film's runtime. They put a total of $19 million into this film, and after its full runtime in the box office, gained a total of $46.2 million. The story is, among several um, critics, considered an, a masterpiece, in which the next section we will be going over fully and going over most of the details of the story that are important. In the story, Jack Torrance goes to the Overlook Hotel to become the off-season caretaker. He will use this time to write his novel. He is warned that one of the previous caretakers, Delbert Grayley, killed his family and then killed himself due to cabin fever. He arrives the last day the hotel is open with his wife, Wendy, and his son, Danny, who is telepathic. When alone, Danny telepathically communicates with the chef of the hotel. He learns from the chef that there are many memories within the hotel, and he is also told not to go into the room 237. After a month, Jack has not made any progress on his novel and has caused random outbursts with his wife. Danny has started to see terrible visions of ghosts in the hotel, and Jack has dreamed of murdering his family. After going through room 237, Danny returns bruised and Wendy accuses Jack of hurting him. Jack ends up talking to a bartender who happens to be a ghost about the situation with Wendy and Danny. Wendy tells Jack that Danny has been strangled by a crazy woman in room 237. Jack has a terrible experience with the woman who happens to be a ghost but doesn't tell Wendy about it. Later, he finds a ball going on, filled with ghosts, and meets Dilbert Grayley. Grayley tells him that Danny is trying to communicate with the chef, and that Wendy and Danny need to be corrected. The chef goes by plane to help the family, as Danny is put into a trance, and has his imaginary friend Tony take partial control of his body. Wendy finally discovers that Jack is insane by seeing the phrase, all work and no play, makes Jack a dull boy in all of his papers. Wendy tries to leave the hotel with Danny, but Jack tries to threaten an attacker. 
She finally knocks him out with a bat and locks him into the dry pantry. Grayley's ghost gives, gives him a second chance and frees Jack. Danny starts writing and chanting the phrase Red Rum. When Wendy wakes up and sees it reversed in the mirror, she realizes it says murder. Then Jack breaks through the room door with an axe. After the chef gets into the hotel, he is murdered by Jack. When Wendy escapes the room, she sees several visions similar to Danny's as well as others. After Jack finds Danny hiding, Danny runs into the hedge maze and gets Jack stuck into the maze. Once Wendy and Danny escape, Jack ends up freezing to death after failing his attempted murder. Before the credits roll, the camera scopes into a photo in the ballroom of the hotel, with Jack in the middle and the words labeled Overlook Hotel, July 4th, Ball 1921. After re-watching this film over and over again for this, um, for this podcast, and also just, of course, in my f- spare time, I've noticed at least two major elements of horror that really make it different from most films, especially of the time. And one major one is there's a huge sense of isolation. First of all, character-wise, we have only three characters through most of the film, two of them being adults, and one of them, of course, being constantly influenced by these ghosts and just the overall intensity of the hotel itself. And of course, of the fact that they are completely isolated from society in every way. They're in this hotel in the mountains with... A blizzard going around, there's phone lines down. It's very, very difficult to find a way out. It's almost as if, of course, there's no escape for the characters throughout most of the film. And another really interesting element of isolation used in this is, I guess, well, maybe not necessarily the sense of isolation, but the sense that you're completely helpless, in which watching the film, it's very obvious, even like even with every scene, just simply looking around, you'll obviously notice that there's this really interesting twist on the norm with horror movies, where most of the time in a really intense situation, or just generally in most situations in the film, the camera is really focused on the character to the point to where it almost feels like it almost feels like the characters are like claustrophobic and like stuck into these like tiny crevices in a way and it works in a lot of films of course but i really like how this film of course does a complete 360 on that and decides to make the Make it to where the audience can actually see the entire scope of the hotel. And this, you would assume, would remove a lot of the horror from it, but it instead makes it to where it's... when When you watch the movie, it really feels like the hotel is just gigantic. And there's like so... there's so many rooms, the the rooms are just huge. And... Really, like, the ho- like it's almost as if the hotel size 
is like in every scene, especially when they're just completely hopeless and like don't know, don't understand what's going on. It's like the hotel is fully engulfing the characters. And even with the music, it makes it feel like there's this uneasiness where on one hand, the hotel just feels empty and barren with only those three characters and one of them being, of course, possibly insane. And also the idea that something is affecting them. Not only the ghosts, but there's some sort of force within the hotel that just makes them want to hurt each other in some sort of way. And this also comes into the next point in which this film really feels like, like, I don't know if this is necessarily a great thing to say, but a lot of times I have noticed in my own thought process and also talking to other people in deeper conversation, I've noticed there's always this really dark part of us that kind of, like, it's it's a deep, deep part of us that we don't normally listen to. But it this film uses that and it's like almost as if like Jack is the embodiment of this fear that we have inside of us and of like just just building like building up all this anger and then just releasing it all out to just go completely insane. And it just it, it's really it just like when you look at the characters, especially with how their faces are contorted in weird ways and how Wendy is in most scenes absolutely horrified at different things and Jack is just maniacally grinning in every other scene. It it makes it feel like it's relatable in some sort of way, which is really the honestly in my opinion it's really kind of the the scariest thing about the film. Looking at all these elements of the horror aspect of this film, it really takes me back to my first personal experience with this film, and of course, you know, watching it for the first time. And I remember this feeling of just being unsettled by a lot of different things in the film that was sort of left unanswered in different ways, and just random, really surprising things and different visions that Danny and Wendy both have. And in the way that it feels like it shouldn't be there, as well as there's this, there's just this overwhelming feeling that there's like, just, there's just so many different things that you could conclude or you could question with this film. And it completely leaves it unanswered in a lot of cases, which in my opinion, personally, it definitely strengthens the effect of the film because in the in several like once you've watched this movie several times it it still keeps its it still keeps its eeriness it still keeps this feeling on of of unsettlingness and there's like questions like you know was jack planning this his whole time you know what exactly does the picture at the end mean you know, and there, there's so many ideas even with that second question, even though it's such a basic one. You know, Jack could be a reincarnation of 
someone from that time period, or this could just simply be his memories from his time being there in some sort of weird alternate way or something. You know, there's no way of knowing this for sure. And I would definitely suggest, for the viewers who haven't seen this film, coming to your own questions and conclusions with those potentially is just a really, it's a really satisfying feeling watching this film. It really makes you think when you watch it. In conclusion, I think this film, for being out for 40 years, has held up extremely well for its time. And I love how there's so many audience members still theorizing and questioning several aspects of it. It's even gotten to the point where I actually looked up some random theories and actually found one that's really interesting, even though I don't believe in it. It's a bit far-fetched, but it's interesting how someone came to this conclusion with it. That some people believe that Stanley Kubrick, the director of this film, actually helped in staging the moon landing, and that this film is somehow a admitting to doing that. It, yeah, it, it, it's a bit crazy. And I love that this film can do this to people and make them think in such crazy ways. It's really fun. This is Black Box. I believe that The Shining is in an outstanding movie and it blossoms in every viewing. My name is Edmund Lovett. Over